It can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is going to be fun. Off we go. Into time and space. Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. Well, this, we're, we're counting down till the holidays here. We are, yeah. So that means next episode, you know what we get to talk about. We get to talk about the Doctor Christmas Who. The Mr. Doctor Mr. Ten. Mr. Doctor Christmas Who. <laughs> That's not at all what it's called. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those. Doctor Tent's Christmas Surprise, I think. Also, I got a book. Well, a book might be the wrong word. I got a Doctor Who activity for us to also do on Christmas. That was the other Amazon package that came in. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Well, we'll find all, out. All right. Can we do it in our pajamas? Because yes. that's how I'm planning on spending yep, Christmas. That is, <laughs> that is the sexiness of the married couple. Can we do it in our pajamas? <laughs> yes. Usually refers to. <laughs> yes. Everything we do. Because for our Christmas, we actually have nothing planned. We're going to be in Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, we're going to have things that we're going to be doing the days before. But the Christmas Day, it's get up, maybe open each other's presents. Because we're not going to lug every blooming thing down there with us. The Um, hotel we're staying at is going to have a restaurant that it's open. It's either going to be like full or empty. I think nothing in between, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping, and this is terrible because all of these people who are having to work on Christmas Day, but I'm still kind of hoping it's just us. I know. We're like, can we have breakfast, please? Sorry, you can't be with your family, so we're (laughs) hungry in here. (laughs) Yes. We'll have to buy a round or something. Um, But yeah, so that's pretty much it. So... Anything else Doctor Who going on? We've just had a very busy week, so. Yeah, it's been quite busy. I've been, I'm in the middle of reading, and I assume it will come up in a podcast or two. Um, an 11th Doctor uh, book with Amy and Rory, so that's very exciting. So mm-hmm. I'll get to talk about that soon. Yeah. And so, yeah. All right, well, let's get into it. This is sort of going to be our yes. big Series 11 overview. Um, now, I know people could be saying, because I've seen some people grumbling on the Twitter bot machine um, about the Series 11 Blu-ray or whatever, because it'll be coming out soonly, and they're like, but it's not, can the New Year's special's not on it, which I'm not saying they're not right, wrong, but I don't, you know, Series 11, we're going to talk about it anyway, I don't care if the New Year's special hasn't arrived yet, so. <laughs> yeah, I think that's legitimate. Do they normally do the Christmas special as the start of the season? Well, I mean, in the past, the the you know, because like, for instance, you know, like, um, not to go through all of them right here, but like, you know, the first one was the Christmas Invasion, which was the Tenth Doctor's first um, yeah, story. Yeah, I suppose so. And then yeah, you, so the start of a new series. But then you also have The End of Time, which was part one Christmas, part two New Year's, which was the Tenth Doctor's last episode. Uh, and so, then so you, there's no rhyme or reason. No, and then you sort of had the sort of the, um, and I'm going random here, but like the Snowman was was well Clara's second appearance but Clara's you know it was the you know the past Clara oh right Clara, yeah, excuse Clara. Me, yeah. Know, but that was sort of I guess the big I don't know so whatever it does its own things there's one year where like um the wives or excuse me the husbands of of uh 
Riverstone. Well, that was the only thing that was on that year for Doctor Who. Yeah, and it looks like this New Year's special is the only thing that's going to be on in 2019. But before we get too complainy and focus more (laughs) on positive things, let's bring in our guest who was on before here for Series 11 talk about all of Series 11, and that is Sue. Sue, welcome back. Thank you so much. Coming full circle because we started the season together. Sure. So there's a lot to talk about. I guess one place I thought we'd start was, you know, again, New Year's special aside, and we'll get the resolution there. <laughs> You're not laughing, that. darling. No, all right. Um, weird, isn't it? But I thought we'd begin with sort of, you know, we had all this pre-news and promotion about, the, you know, 13th Doctor and the Companions and, and Chris Chibnall. We had all these thoughts and expectations, and I sort of want to talk about what we were thinking and then... Now that it's at the end, how that compared to what we thought. So, darling, I feel like the most important place to talk about this with you is with a certain companion. <laughs> I was just going to say, you're, you're going to make me talk about Bradley Walsh. Name Bradley you? Walsh. <laughs> well, I feel like I've covered him pretty well um, in terms of he has vastly out, uh, exceeded my expectations um, my only complaint about it is that his character is the most probably well-developed character in the show, which again suggests that Doctor Who isn't great yet at figuring out how to write for anything other than the white male. And what about Sue? Any any kind of, as you reflect upon your, your what you were thinking or excited about or worried about or whatever, and now that we're at the end of it, kind of how, how's your reflection been about expectations versus what we saw? Yeah, the big thing I was hoping for going into the season was a shift in tone from the last couple of years. Uh, I was really, really hoping to get back to the sense of wonder and exploration and adventure. And I was really encouraged looking at the, 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 the early stills even, the early promos for the, the series – but, you know, coming into it, almost every episode was, you know, life or death situations. Everything was kind of anxiety driven, um, mm-hmm. even to a point where I had a friend of mine say, you know, these episodes are difficult for me to watch sometimes at night. If you're watching them before me, can you let me know how stress inducing they are? And I might want to watch them like on a Saturday afternoon instead mm-hmm. just well, as they were meant to be watched no, yeah. i'm kidding i'm kidding yes. but yeah to give that break yeah well and just the idea that it's not the last thing you're doing before you go to bed you know yes and it, it, sort of giving yourself the chance to like come back to a happier state after the the intensity let's say of some mm. of these episodes because they were in you know mortal danger just about every episode. Yeah, and I'm trying to think, as far as like the 13th Doctor, I, don't, I guess I didn't really have any expectations. I mean, I was curious about, you know, not to make it the focus, but like how they were going to deal with her being a woman. And I didn't think, you know, I talked before, yeah, I didn't think they are going to do like some big, huge thing, but I was just wondering, well, small terms, you know, she's going to call herself a Time Lord or a Time Lady, or, you know, what comments. And and I, I mean, I, I've been very impressed with Jodie, of course, and the 13th Doctor and everything, and you know, when we had, was it the Witch Finders, I think, was probably the, the episode that really had 
the most spotlight. Not that there was that much, but the spotlight about, like, man, if I was a man, I would have to deal with all this nonsense or something. Or, But, I mean, that was all sort of made sense in that episode and, and in that context and everything. And so, I've, I've, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's probably been other ways you could have done it, but I've sort of enjoyed the, we tip our hat every now and then to acknowledge, but we're not going to go crazy about it, you know. It's not like she's, you know, she's like, oh, gosh, I'm a woman now. What do I do? You know, it's just like, oh, okay. Where do I put these breasts? (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah. Yeah. And um, as far as the the full companions thing, and I don't know, obviously, uh, the Twitterverse, I sort of see a lot of people's thoughts, um, and even on Facebook. And I, I find, like, I do find more negative comments. And I'm not saying that's the majority opinion, but... You know, as, as opposed to other fandoms, I tend to find that more. And maybe it's just people t- want to be more vocal about it. But the crowded TARDIS, I was, it wasn't a worry, but it was sort of like, okay, we haven't done this in a while. What's this going to be like? And, you know, we can talk yes. But I think for the most part, it's worked out. I mean, you know, it hasn't been... I mean, like, if you could look at the... Or, like, for me, when I look at the classic Who, I mean, not that there was ever that much characterization, even when there was a crowded TARDIS, or even when there was one companion. And so it's understandable that not everyone is the most in-depth fully breathing, yeah. fully recognized. Though that said, for God's sakes, yas. Yeah. But everybody <laughs> does have sort of a clear, delineated role. Right. We don't like what Yaz has been given to do at the minute because it doesn't give her character a chance to explore things, but she has a very clear role that is different to what the other two have. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that that's... Sue, do you think that... The lack of overarching arc is the reason there's so much tension in all the episodes. The need to make each one sort of the the fill the seats episode. Maybe. Although there are plenty of more lighthearted one-off episodes we've had before that mm. didn't need to do that. I don't, it could just be how how this writing staff works. Yeah. And how much of it is, I mean, there have been, there were so many theoretically guest writers. I mm-hmm. mean, I assume that, you know, somebody like Mallory Blackman isn't sitting in the writer's room every week. Mm-hmm. So does that, that have anything to do with it, you think? I mean, but Doctor Who's always been that way. You know, mm. at least in, not yeah. always, but at least since, um, you know, the, the Eccleston Tennant era, right? There wasn't the writer's room that we think of when we, you know, talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, right? Where you're getting the same people working on the, the scripts all the time. But, mm. you know, that's the, the job of a showrunner, right? Is to make sure that all the of the episodes go together. Uh, and if you look at the writing credits, Chibnall is listed on each of the first five episodes. Mm-hmm. And then he's also wrapping it up with the 10th one. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's his job to make sure that they work together and they can all be standalone. That's fine. But, you know, just like a playlist at a party, you know, you don't want the same type of thing 10 yes, times in a yeah. row. You got to break it up a little bit. Yeah. And it's interesting if for folks, how many folks this is their first series. So, like, you know, a fellow podcaster on this network, Charlene Schmidt, this is the first time she's ever watched Doctor Who. And so I've been chatting with her on Slack sometimes. 
and she was saying it was taking her a while to kind of get with the series because she felt it was so disparate. You know, because she's not at all familiar with Doctor Who. You know, it seemed like it was so something different tonally every time. Every time for her, you know, and I, was like, and I was explaining. Well, you know, they always do the past and the future and the present. Da, 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 da. But I can't remember it without me looking up which episode where she finally felt it settled down a little bit. Can't remember. It was one of the you know it's one of been the first five or something. Mm-hmm. But I, it's interesting how how many new people have come in with this series. I don't, I don't know how many, you know, I'm just, if, if for this is your first doctor, how you're seeing all this versus the more grizzled veterans among us about, you know. Yeah. But this, I mean, Chris Chibnall was the showrunner for Broadchurch, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't his first rodeo. Not at all. So. Torchwood for the most part. Yeah. So where's They're he. not known for his comedy then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> where's he going? What What is. Different. Why is this different? Do you think there's got to be a ton of pressure? Yeah, I mean, not only is this Doctor Who our longest running sci-fi show, it's the first woman Doctor. It's companions unlike we've seen before. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sure there was a ton of pressure to make every episode a must-see event. Right. Well, and that's sort of what I was thinking because, you know, he he talked about how he wanted to make each episode a standalone to, in order to bring in make it new more. viewers to make it more accessible for them to come in at any point and wondering if that pressure meant that we lost some cohesion because it felt like everything had to be. I think no. it might just have an be us, though. Right, because mm-hmm. this is oh, it's just like the Doctor Who episodes. The villain is us, <laughs> <laughs> but the the series of standalone episodes that are only kind of tied together is not how we're used to consuming television anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, even our sitcoms <laughs> have stories that go on that continue from week to week. So I wonder if it's just us going, you know, the shock of going from watching something even like a Battlestar Galactica or a Babylon 5 where where you know the storytelling shifted to coming back to something that is you know one one just one story after another something so serialized yeah yeah cuz i guess one thing i wasn't expecting and i like it but i i realize or maybe it's just the way i view it i like it and i don't know if other people do or anyway this does seem to, and I'm not a classic Who expert by any means, but it does seem this sort of a revamped modern classic Doctor Who. You know, so it's not necessarily in the tone or tenure of the two previous showrunners of New Who, but it is sort of a 21st century classic Who. And like maybe I should explain what I mean, but like, you know, with the standalones, of course. Now, of course, you know, classic Who was a little bit more uh, two, three, four parters. You know, serials. I mean, literally serials. And so, you know, so it's obviously like not that. So maybe if it had maybe two more two parters. But as far as you know, if you cram those four or five or six parters into one episode with these, you know, companions who you know don't experience their greatest growth. But I don't think I'm saying it's oh, it's just like classic where they don't do anything. And but it's sort of a 21st century classic. You know, they sort of it's obviously pacier. It's more slimmed down, and but but I think in some ways you've been saying, Jessica, it's sort of the antithesis of classic because you classic, of course, is well. I don't want to put words in my mouth. You say classic is too long, of course, because pacing is there, different. There tends to be Whereas yeah, at Chibnall, least one you like episode. Is too short. Yeah, yeah. Chibnall's is too short. Yes, you want an hour and a half episodes, yes. don't you? And I've uh, yeah, and I've said that 
And and I wonder if an hour and a half, because that's the other thing, because he's trying to cram in so much into each episode, the the hour, as you say, Sue, does feel anxious because you feel like you're just steamrolling mm-hmm. through it. Um, whereas if perhaps 90 minutes, you get a little bit of chance to breathe and it's not quite so full on constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like there's, I mean, whether we're talking yes or even some of the guest stars, mm. there's sometimes we don't, we're like, man, we could have gotten more than five seconds of Lee Mack, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. crazy talk. I would have <laughs> loved a whole nother episode with Alan Cumming. <laughs> well, you, see, you know, who says he won't return in two seasons or not? Absolutely. Or, something? or Mr. Big. I enjoyed Chris Noth as well, you know, and it just feels like we sped through that we had some amazing guest stars that just sort of whirred by you know i really liked i i'm gonna say it it's astonishing i really liked what moffat did a couple (laughs) years ago and believe Mm -hmm. me i am not really a stephen moffat fan um but for i forget which which series it was but he basically did episodes in groups of two or three you know, around the yeah. time of, like, the Zygon Invasion and the Zygon Inversion. That whole mm-hmm. series was little groups. And I feel like if you did that and did, like, standalone pairs, mm-hmm. maybe it would have felt less fast-paced, less, I don't know, Yes, yeah, frenetic. Yes, yeah. that's a good word. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, not that we have to do every character, though we can. Um, I guess when it comes to the 13th Doctor, where are you all at? I mean, I assume everyone's positive, but but, <laughs> but as far as, more specifically, where, where are you about the Doctor? Um, Sue, what, what are you, how are you thinking about where she is, what you've seen, and what you're looking forward to? I feel like my first impressions are, are pretty much the same as, as my take now. I see a lot of tenant in her. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of the fast talking quick witted sort of uh interactions with with her villains a little bit of 11 you know mm. i see a lot of 11 so yeah sort of the goofiness mm. but i mean i'm i'm here for it and i know the rumor is now that she'll be back for the next series but then that's it i hope that's not true i want her to have the lo- as long a run as we we can with her yeah yeah and i've i don't know i'm i'm sort of in the the like piss on any rumors sort of mood these days because i'm like oh it's like oh chimnal's leaving jody's gone i'm like shut the blank up people all right you know i mean just shut up honestly just because yeah, i acknowledge them doesn't mean i believe them <laughs> yeah. no 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 I, I know but i i just, I just see this like on all the because i mean I, i'm the kind of person who, because, you know, Star Trek, obviously, is my fandom, and Doctor Who, but, like, when I see stuff or negative stuff, I mean, I just, like, unfriend and unfollow, because I'm not around for that. I'm not going to be here for that, because I don't, I don't need that. You know, whatever. I don't, you know, why am I going to, but it's just, it, even just regular stuff, just, like, a regular Doctor Who Facebook page, and they'll be, like, posting these articles. I'm like, why? I mean, I'm trying to remember a rumor that was out, I mean, I'm, uh, there's been dozens, and but, like, one that was like, oh, you know, this is going to happen, and then it clearly didn't, and so I'm like, why? Because I mean, I it's just those people who have personalities that, you know, they don't like this series, which is fine. You don't have to like it. 
But then they're going to hang on to anything that supports that opinion. Oh, here's an article from some tertiary source, secondhand, that says, Chimnall's out, then I'm going to hold on to that, and <laughs> because that gives my, my dislike power. And, and, you know, and that's anything in life, whether it's politics or whatever. But I'm like, you know, show me a BBC source. If not, shut up. We'll figure <laughs> out when it gets here, you know. Yeah. So... But anyway, that's my little tirade, sorry. Well, and I also, I mean, I can't, we, you know, Sue, you were saying that she reminds you of, of 10, and she reminds me a lot of 11, but I think the season harkens a little bit back to 12's first season. Oh, and yeah. And everybody, <laughs> I mean, and I wasn't even watching Doctor Who then, and still, all my British friends on Facebook were like, oh, no. This is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. And then by the end of Capaldi's run, everybody's like, but where's he going? We love yeah, him, I, you know. I remember Capaldi's first season or two getting a lot of criticism for every episode being grimdark, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit of, of my complaint about this season. But it wasn't so much grimdark as it was, like, trying to be scary. The thing about the Doctor is... She's so watchable. And, I, and maybe that's obvious to say, why else would you cast someone? But, I mean, I guess that's not for nothing, though. Because I think, in many ways, that's why I can still enjoy Classic Who, even if it's pacing problems or it's silly stories or or, or whatever. If long as, as long as the Classic Doctor is watchable, I'll, you know, they can have the stupidest story in the world. I enjoy watching them. And that's Jody. And I don't think there's been any stupid stories, in my opinion, in this series. I mean, there's no... Cause I, I mean, I'm a big Eleven fan. But there are some... When we're watching the reruns, it'll be like, oh, boy, this one. You know, I'm not saying it's the worst in the world, but, like, I can skip it. Um, I I don't think I've seen the fan base, or at least the part of the fan base that I hang out with, uh, Mm -hmm. embrace a doctor this quickly. Yeah. And, of course, there are outside factors to that. (laughs) There was a lot of anticipation. Do you know a lot of women, Sue? No, I'm kidding. kidding. Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Well, then, I mean, you know, it, and that's, I'm not just saying that for nothing. If she was a bad and a woman, I'm sure they'd still want it like that, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not, you still have to have something of substance just in the gender, but, uh, which is not for nothing. But I, I think the 13th Doctor is so approachable as a doctor. And I mean, and I like that. I mean, you know, I think that was my 12 problems. He was grumpy and he didn't want to be around you. He didn't like hugs. He didn't want anything to do with you. And of course, you know, after a season or two seasons, it was sort of like, oh, there's the heart of gold or there's the, or at least, there's the explanation of the darkness, you know, the whole, like, the Zygon speech. Okay, mm-hmm. he's still a little bit 90, um, you know, or, or whatever. Or that, you know, his, his he, he says, you know, his thing with Clara, you know, at the end, you know, he would destroy all of time just to be with her. Um, but anyway, but I think with 13, right away, she's she wants to be on your team. She wants to know how you're doing. That's, she wants to know how you feel. I, she wants to apologize, you know, all that stuff. I think that's the big change. I think that's why I associate yeah. her with 10 so much, right? Mm-hmm. Because... Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on with the following for a very long time, so just mm. stop me. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I find Eleven to be incredibly manipulative. Uh, and the, the one example I will give about that is that uh, River Song breaks her own hand to escape mm-hmm. handcuffs rather than inconvenience oh, yes. the doctor. And I think mm-hmm. that's incredibly upsetting. And Twelve is mean, yeah, he's yeah. straight up mean to even to Clara. You know, he's not as mean to Bill, but like, and and all of his comments to Clara are about her age and her appearance. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's not okay. And we're back to, with Jody. we're back to a doctor who is excited to know you and wants to be on your team and genuinely cares from the get-go about her companions. Like from the very first episode, she's calling them fam. And we come back to that again. Are we sticking with fam? Or do we. (laughs) Am I supposed to be awarding points or stars? (laughs) Um, Though she will not stop for eats, though. That is her one problem. Yes. Her one problem. Which is why Graham has to carry around a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've learned. (laughs) Bless him. So, yeah, I think that this first season has similarities to Capaldi's, but for different reasons. I don't think, uh, I think with Capaldi's first season, he hadn't settled into it. And the chemistry between uh, the Doctor and Clara, the the Twelfth Doctor and Clara was a little strange, and so they just hadn't settled in. And this season, I think the cast is all settled in and ready to go and i think that they're figuring it out behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and trying to settle still someone and this was it's not original so i don't know if it's probably twitter and i don't know who to credit for this someone had mentioned that this series was let was on training wheels and they're waiting for the next series to go Mm. full blast and and i think that's true and i don't mean to be uh insulting to any writers or episodes but i mean that is sort of a feeling that there's a lot of Restraint in a lot of these episodes, or that, or that there's so much more. And I, I mean, I, you can go with Jessica's, you know, hour and a half theory if, if every episode was thirty minutes longer. But yeah, it does seem feel like that we're not letting everyone unleash. Yes, but I mean, it's the it's what the eleventh season of the new series. <laughs> it's the mm-hmm. whatever season overall. Yeah, but in practicality, this is a first season. Mm-hmm. There's yes. an all new writing staff. There's a whole new showrunner. There's a brand new creative team. And there's a brand new cast. It's a first. It's a first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by judging by first season standards, it's spectacular. Yes, it's yeah. brilliant. You're right about that. <laughs> and that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. I, th- I think that all of us, you know, everybody in the in the fandom, gets caught up in not thinking about it in that way Mm -hmm. and I think you're absolutely right I think if you look at it as everybody's new this is great yeah because I think and yeah I'm not saying my perspective is is any mass opinion but my all my complaints quote-unquote um and we'll move into not complaints but we'll move into something here in a second um is is only that I want more of x y or z or I want this you know it's not like I hate this character or Man, this is a terrible episode. None, those are none of my complaints. Yeah, I would agree. It's I want more. I want this. It's a good complaint to have more, and that's a that's a settling in thing as well. Sure. And so I thought we'd maybe talk about you know it doesn't have to be like oh this is my favorite episode, this is my worst episode. It could be a favorite moment, favorite episode, whatever. And then you can companion it with something that you know something to work on or something that wasn't necessarily your favorite. And so I'll go first, and then I'll let you go. So I think. One of the things I just really want to highlight are, in my opinion, again, my words, are the powerful episodes. You know, again, in my opinion, in New Who, you know, uh, Vincent and the Doctor only comes along so many episodes. You know, that's an episode that for me is my, well, maybe I'll have to say was my favorite, was my favorite. Because, I mean, it, it's a unique thing. I really love it. I mean, that's just me. It's my favorite episode. And then in Series 11, I have Rosa and Demons of the Poonchop. Like, that's two. 
in one in one series, and in and. I mean, that, those are just ones that I really, I mean, enjoy maybe the wrong word, but that were really powerful to me. And, and I, it's, it's you know, two versus the one and, and how many, of course, I don't like it in the Zygon. I can get to everything here. But that was really a plus for me that, that there were these powerful episodes, for lack of a better word, in this one series. And so it's not often I can go into one series and have that many things. Like, these are two episodes that I'll know I'll want to settle into again when I rewatch the series or they would want to watch again on their own. This is going to be some nibbly stuff. I actually have two, but I'm just going to do one, and then I'll save the one for later. And this is, like, this is again, this is a stupid one, but, it, you know, anything goes in this thing. TARDIS Interior, when it first appeared in the Ghost Monument, I was like, oh, I'm all for something different. It looks good. But the more we've seen, or honestly, the more we haven't seen of it, I'm like, I mean, what? it's, like, not well lit. It's, it's I mean, we don't, and again, I mean, this is a nibbly thing, right? I mean, because they're doing these great location filming, and so I'm, I'm complaining that the studio sucks. But, I mean, to me, the Tarzan Chair, I'm like, ugh, there's really not much to it. Or at least they don't show it much, or they don't seem to care about it much, or whatever. And again, maybe in the past seasons, we've just had more Tardis time. This time, it's just more outside, and that's fine. But I guess And we haven't seen Jody get a custard cream since the first <laughs> episode, or the second episode, yeah. I guess. And so that's my, my little nibblies. I'm not really, I'm losing my uh, impressiveness about the TARDIS interior because they don't seem to use it or light it well. So it's a dumb thing. There you go. So Jessica, what do you have? Particular up and particular whatever. I, I don't... Yeah. I mean, I think Rosa in particular is a highlight for me. I loved the introduction of some new fun... Uh, uh, the little guy that... Oh, Patang. Patang. Yeah. I love him the best. I'm really I'm looking forward to buying the plush version of him <laughs> some, at some point. You know, the idea of bringing in new creatures has worked with varying degrees of success because I don't need to see the guy with t- the tooth face guy. Um, <laughs> Tim again. Shaw. Tim Shaw, yes. And yeah, the the bad, as you say, niggly bits. Um, and things I've said, the episodes need to be longer so that we can get more depth. That's my biggest thing. Cool. And Sue, what about you? Well, I absolutely loved Rosa. Mm. Um, I think possibly because I was so nervous about it going into it. <laughs> All of us Americans were going like, eh, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> well, if somebody's even... wearing a Stetson, it's not going to end well. <laughs> not even that. But just like, you know... The this could really be messed up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not, not just like the truth of the history, but the portrayal of what you're trying to do here. It it had to be walking on eggshells, and I think they did it incredibly well. I absolutely loved it. Another thing I really enjoyed was um, that Ryan uh, dealing with his disability continued to be a part of him but it wasn't the only part of him and it Mm -hmm. it didn't get pushed aside like it wasn't a i hate to say the word but convenient in air quotes thing for the first episode to give him a story it came back and we Mm -hmm. even um the the one that stuck with me the most was i think in kerblam where he said you know it takes (laughs) me a little while to get things but once i get them i'm fine Mm -hmm. and it just it's an example of somebody with a disability who is who, who finds coping mechanisms for everyday life. Still being valuable, still doing work, just like everybody else, but a little bit different. And I, I mm. really appreciated that. One thing 
Oh, maybe a few things I wish had been a little bit different. I really wish that the the antagonist in Rosa tied back into something. <laughs> Anything. Anything. Yes. <laughs> you know, did he work for Tim Shaw? Is, is there a coalition of space racists out there doing something? You know, give it some sort of motivation. I understand. What, what is the gang from Greece? The T-Birds? Yes. That the, <laughs> there are the villainous T-Birds out there. All right. Okay. But, you know, some sort of motivation for our antagonist. I, I get that that wasn't the point of the episode. Right. But give me something. Um, yeah. Or take him out completely. Yeah. yeah or, or, yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, not, not to rewrite that episode, but or it could have been some sort of non- corporeal thing you know mm-hmm. some sort of dimensional time thing is doing things or something i don't know you know? yeah but anyway let's do another round um, <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because um, i think another and i mean i'm sure i'm stealing people's but i think one thing that doesn't can't go unsaid is the companions of color because it's we get to tell stories that could have been told and but have never been told. I mean, you could have you done Rise? Have you could you have done Rosa without Ryan? Sure, but why would you have wanted to? You know. And again, I mean, that's not his experience because you know he, he's British. That's not his. You know, but but he gets to tell that story in a way that other companions couldn't have told that story, or doctors, or whatever. Well, Games of the Punjab, you know, yes, can tell that story again. Was she the best one used? Okay. But it gives you an excuse anyway <laughs> to have some sort of connection to the TARDIS team. But in you know, Rosa, just... it's not just Ryan. It's Yaz, too. You yes. know, she has some yes. really important scenes about, like, well, they they don't even know what to make of me. Right. You know, which are powerful. And I think when we in America, when we talk about these things, when we talk about how we're educated about this part in history, about, you know, the South and about the civil rights movement, we're taught in literally and figuratively in black and white. Yes. Right? We're, we're not thinking about other immigrants and other nationalities who were also in this country and what their daily lives were like as well. And that and what their subsequent fights were, yes, which were kicked off by the civil rights movement. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about the civil rights movement, and then we're like, okay, we're done now, and we don't do anything with with anything else. But I think um, her scenes, as small as they were, may have flipped some switches for a few people. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I never even thought about that point of view because and this is not an original thought or it shouldn't be anyway but there's so many untold stories Mm -hmm. um because obviously western and white tends to be the story told at least um the ones i we we see uh, the three of us in male you know add that too um but obviously this opens up so many stories and you know it doesn't or perspectives even it doesn't have to be the story of like well we're gonna do a pakistani story or 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 an africa story or you know obviously it doesn't have to be what i'm doing but you know the perspectives and and just the little comments of of you know yes talking about being teased or on the uh, school or whatever just all these little things um it just adds a lot to what's been there the whole time of course you know in 55 years of doctor who but we don't have in song because it's been pretty white bread um, all the time, you know, because I mean, again, not my country. This is where you can talk, Jessica. I mean, England or, you know, Britain is not 100 percent white. And then, oh, yet, no. and you know, 55 years of Doctor Who, that's kind of been the doctors and the companions. And so there's a lot of stories and perspectives that 
can still be told, even among the British stories. Which we see with the demons of Punjab. Mm-hmm. Well, well, they're technically still an Indian and Pakistan story, but yes. yes. Well, yes, but it's <laughs> but the British Imperial history. And, yeah, 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 absolutely. But that was something, for me, I'll fully admit, I really didn't know anything about. And after that episode, yeah. I went and I read more about the partition of India mm-hmm. because I was like, what? What? <laughs> like, yes. You, I knew there was, because, I mean, we're taught US 1 and US 2, and that at least, you know, in the Northeast, they're like, well, you don't really need any more history than that because we're <laughs> we're U.S. centric here. That's what we do. So, <laughs> no. Well, and even with, uh, you know, even learning British history and British literature, you know, you still get very much the whitewashed. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of talk about the, the full on imperialism. Um, and if you do get it, it's often. Um, Australia. <laughs> it's white, so it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something about Aborigines, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Moving on. Moving yeah. on. Well, in, yeah. in general, we're talking about these two episodes a lot, but I think they show us that Doctor Who can go into the past and have it not be in England and have it not yeah. be white. Like, mm-hmm. we're getting a very American civil rights, like, Black South story in Rosa and then we're getting a story in the Punjab in India, uh, in Pakistan, and you can you can tell these stories with this show. Whereas so often we just get like we're back in time, so we're in Victorian or Elizabethan London again. Yep, there's a queen somewhere. <laughs> Everybody's pretty much white. <laughs> yeah. And don't worry, we then had the episode in Norway, the whitest place on earth. So just, <laughs> yeah, just to even case, things you know, out. But um, one thing I did want to talk about is what you all thought, this may be a higgly-piggly thing, but nevertheless, it's something new um, with this series, is, and, I'm, and I feel bad, maybe you know his name, I don't, off the top of my uh, tongue, Sue, but the new composer of Doctor Who. Been a change, um, you know, so Murray Goldsman, long time, whatever, uh, for, for the music of Doctor Who. This one has, has been different. Um, it's more, to me, I'm probably using the right words, ethereal or more, you know, but it's one of those things once I've noticed it after the third episode, it seems kind of similar to me after the fourth, fifth. I'm like, I, like, I got it. I, I feel like they're doing the same thing. And that's just my opinion of like the same music for every episode or the same tone. I'm like, you know, can we change it up a little bit other than, you know, Ethereal techno. Yeah, that's not the right description of it. But anyway, so I've been looking for a little bit of a change. I mean, I do like the 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 uh, you know the title music. I did love the changing the end credits for Punjab and all that stuff. But like for instance, you know the thirteen theme that that is sort of out though. I mean, and maybe it's just me, um, but I the sort of eleven and twelve themes sort of get you pumping like don't you know. Um, to me, and the 13 one's sort of like a little more just you're relaxing and chilling, and, and it, maybe that's just more reflective of the Doctor, but I sort of like a theme that's more like, all right, Doctor's going to do stuff now. <laughs> and so I don't know, that's my little thing. I'm, maybe I'm, in, I'm out in left field, so I don't know. Are you any particular thoughts about the music this uh, series? To be honest, it's not something I really picked up on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I remarked to you about it, Jessica. I don't know if... Because yeah. you, you hadn't noticed it. And then when we were watching it, I'm like, listen to this part. You will hear it now, for, or at least I always hear it now. I don't know if you've noticed it more. No, not so much. Although I wonder if that sameness hasn't contributed to 
um, the 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 edge of your seat kind of feel mm-hmm. every time. You know, if the music had been different um, or more varied, if we would have had different perspectives on um, the episodes and how they made us feel. Because to be honest, if you look back on it there were places where it didn't need to feel quite so intense and is the music building that in us unnecessarily yeah anything what any other leftovers you got for that is i don't remember which episode it was but i definitely remember saying to that friend i mentioned earlier that Mm -hmm. if not for the music an episode would not have been so anxiety inducing for me mm-hmm. so i recognize yeah. that although i can't <laughs> don't recall which piece it was <laughs> yeah so i will admit you know i don't want to focus on negatives but i will say kerblam i was listening to another podcast and they're like kerblam's my favorite i'm like oh kerblam is actually my least favorite of this series only because I'm, I'm not yeah, i know jessica's sick of me saying it i'm not over that girl dying We'll, well never be over that girl dying. I was just going to say, that's another example of raising the stakes kind of unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they didn't have to kill off that girl. Or at least build her up to be like, here's this cute, innocent bunny. Bam! Yeah. Dead. You like that? I'm like, no, I don't actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking I of don't killing, think... that's <laughs> something that I want to point out as, as a downfall for me for this mm-hmm. series is that you know, we talked about how they sort of fridged Grace in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And it really bothered me that they brought, like, the Grace ghost back in the Norway episode to manipulate Graham. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, I mean, to to me, that's even more proof that they really just fridged her. Because it's mm-hmm. just motivation for the men that were in her life. Yeah. What... What would you have done differently with the Norway episode? It's hard because, to say because mm. the the idea, right, is that the loved ones that you have lost mm-hmm. are there to keep you there. Maybe if, like, we never met Grace to begin with in the first episode, if she had passed before it started, maybe if it was, like, Ryan seeing his distant father, even though he's not passed, or his mom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It it could have been done differently and just change up which characters are where. But it just, it feels like, Grace was such a great character when we met her, and it feels like a disservice to her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there was a frog. Then there was definitely a frog. (laughs) No, I have no problems with it, but I was still pointed out that that was a frog. Um, I kind of dug that episode, although it was very confusing. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> and as I mean, and you, I liked the frog. Yeah. Well, and you pointed this out, Jessica, um, and I've seen some other people that Ryan was right. Dude did abandon his daughter. Mm-hmm. Everyone jumped at him at the beginning and was like, "No, eh, Ryan was actually pretty right." Um, you yeah. Know. Yeah. They were like, "Why are you projecting your life on hers?" And no, that was exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was kind of an asshole. Yeah, that was a trippy episode, but that's fine. You know, we, we can have a trippy episode. It was episode. a little trippy, yeah. You know, where did those things come from? Anyway, but it's fine. It's fine. Although, okay. uh, also, 
sorry, in that episode, it just no. came back to me. It uh-huh. it is really uh, crappy that the doctor exploits Hana's disability to lie to her. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and and she thankfully, I think this redeems it not entirely, but a little bit. Thankfully, she realizes it and she calls them on it. Like she calls out Ryan. Yes, and like yeah. good for her. Because yeah, that's now that you've sort of said this previously. The 13 is not like 11 or 12, you know, the, what is the first rule of the Doctor? Doctor lies. Right, and that's not been 13. She hasn't been like 11 or 12, who's just, you know, we're 12 trying to teach Clara to lie to people to make them, you know, feel like even if they're dying or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't been the 13. So yeah, that, that was sort of a an off point. Um, well, she doesn't again, do it maliciously, right? At least right. not intentionally, but... As, as we like to say on Women at Warp a lot, intent doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? You can have the best of intentions, but if you've hurt somebody or if you've deceived somebody, you've, you've still hurt them and you've still deceived them. Uh, and you, it, it's still your responsibility to make good on that. And I think that was, as much as she's trying to protect Hana, it, I don't think, was the best decision for the Doctor to make. However, I do feel like based on her 12 former incarnations that it was mm-hmm. in character. Yeah. Yes. I'm also not sure ultimately of the purpose of that, of her writing anything, because that's not something. You just take someone to another room or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, not just that, but why did it need to be said at all? Uh, well, I, it, I don't feel like it necessarily moved the plot anywhere. I think she was trying to ment. I think because she was leaving him, leaving her with Ryan, so she had to sort of give babysitting instructions because Ryan, I know you don't know what you're doing. Um, so you know, it's it's this is how you deal with people. Um, so yeah, I don't know, I don't know because it, you know, you think oh that's gonna come back somewhere, and it doesn't particularly. Though she does, she she is a bit of a writer. She was writing on the hotel room. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe this is just less about her... Um, Twelve chalk is coming back to her, I guess. Yes, yeah, <laughs> more about her vandalism. I mean, she does mention at some point that she might actually be Banksy. So. I do love that. Maybe that's or what we're she? seeing here. <laughs> cool. All right, well, there's so much we can talk about, but I guess let's sort of have at least, you know, about five-minute final thoughts here about, you know, this is it. Other, there's going to be a New Year special, which we're all looking forward to, I would hope. Um, but after that, nothing for until 2020. Silence falls. Oh, um, well, when the question is asked, when is Doctor <laughs> Who coming on next? Um, so I guess, Jessica, what are you hoping for, you know, in the next year? I mean, in the next year, I guess I'm looking maybe forward to Comic Relief or Red Nose Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll get a skit in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Um and I'm just sort of hoping that they spend the year settling into what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, so that season two of 13. <laughs> Carry the five. 13.2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Um, brings in something. Yeah, good good things. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sue? What are you going to do with your Hulu <laughs> 2020, 2019? I think I'm still holding out for my my wonder and adventure. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I really want from Doctor Who. That's what I feel like I got when I first started watching Doctor Who. 
it wasn't I, I think it's very noble that the doctor seems to have taken on this when somebody asks for help I answer and I go on mm. places and I save people but what I remember from when I got into this show was I have something really exciting to show you and it just so mm. happens that somebody's in trouble there yes yeah and it's a it's a tiny distinction but it's there for me anyway yeah yeah we it's time to get on board the titanic or <laughs> something like that yeah yeah cuz i and i'm curious give me 11 monsters already except don't really <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I do not endorse that on this podcast. Um, uh, but no, and I, you know, I, I, that episode gets more shit than it deserves, but it's not the greatest. Um, but anyway, it's the circus so, one with yeah, seven. Oh, well, you know, you, yeah, uh, Jessica's not the seen one. It's been a while since I've seen that too. So yeah, that'd be, yeah, I, yeah. It, I think thirteen, as you said, should be like, hey guys, or hey gang, or fam, or team Tardis, or whatever new name she'll come up with. You know, I want to show you this, or I've never seen that, you know, and, and it involves four people. Exactly. So let's do this, you know, or some, I don't know, you know, because something that she, she hasn't done when she just had one person. Um, there's got to be, you know, let's do an escape room or something. Maybe it's time <laughs> for the doctor finally to go to Barcelona, the planet. Oh, mm. the dogs have no nose. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm all for, you know, some classic revisitations of, you know whatever happened to or whatever happened to i know you were a fan what were we watching i don't know if it was face of evil or whatever but the the thought that the doctor had done something wrong and come back and saw the that was the, fourth the doctor. effects of it having to fix as you say so the intentions were good and the result was bad mm-hmm. and so now the doctor has to go back and fix something because yeah, she blew that off in the um in the last episode well, uh, and as far as we know, Clara and uh, Bill and well, Clara's still out there, right? In her flying diner, so, exactly. So maybe the doctor at some point needs to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to a lot, and I don't know the the thirteen hasn't necessarily had her big speech moment. I was going to say she doesn't need one. No, I feel like she needs one. But anyway, um, but you know, I I I. I for, for anyone who knows my Star Trek fandom knows I'm not a fan of the dark and the whatever, whatever. But it would, would be nice to have a moment where 13 does have to think about things or, or, or face. Because or, she's been pretty, you know, light. And I don't mean that as a complaint. But she's been sort of very reactive. I'll use that word instead mm, yeah. in most of these episodes. Um, but, you know, showing these great traits, great, you know, science-y, explain-y things, mm-hmm. nice, wonderful, um, having to catch all these things. But it would be nice but to see. But not the contemplative. Yeah. You know, where is she? She's a puzzle or... solver. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be great if she was dealt, had to deal with some sort of, you know, I don't know, galactic Rubik's Cube. Giant Sudoku. You're back on the escape <laughs> Yes. I'm saying, wouldn't that be where cool? Where does the three go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right well as i said we could talk forever but we're we will enjoy rewatching series 11 because we'll have enough time to do it that's for Once dang sure twice. but anyway so sue if people want to get your thoughts about the new year special when it happens or uh anything else about doctor who where can they reach you on the interwebs yeah for doctor who stuff you want to talk to me on twitter uh you can find me there at speltor that's s-p-a-l-t-o-r and uh if you like Star Trek, like that guy over there, 
Uh, you can <laughs> find me on the Women at Warp podcast, uh, where we talk about feminism and Star Trek, and that's at womenatwarp.com. All right, Sue. Well, thanks. Thank you. When you close your eyes... I go to the library. Go to the library now. And into the TARDIS library. For this, we're going to talk about another Big Finish production that we listened to recently. Hooray! Big Finish! Now, my goal was to start at the very beginning of the Eighth Doctor Adventures, who I thoroughly enjoy. But Um, you failed miserably. Well, technically, I did start at the beginning of the Eighth Doctor Adventures, but then I learned after we had listened that that's actually sort of a proper title and that I should have looked into the main range of Big Finish for the first actual um, Eighth Doctor audio adventure. So, in any case, what we'll be talking about is Blood of the Daleks, Part 1 which premiered 31 December 2006, and I could not find a proper synopsis, so I wrote my own. So, <laughs> darling, you'll have to read it, and then well, let me know if I did it good. Philopopsis? Is that... That's no, not a word. Look, can we make it a word? No. no. Okay, never mind. This is a synopsis written by my very clever husband. How's that? Sure. Is that good? The Doctor is surprised when Northerner Lucy Miller suddenly appears in his TARDIS. They land on the planet Red Rocket Rising as it suffers a nuclear winter after an apparent planetary comet strike. As they argue and encounter survivors, an unlikely foe appears as the planet's saviors, the Daleks. So, yeah, we get the beginning of Lucy Miller, at least, played by... Sheridan Smith, hooray! I love Sheridan Smith. So yeah, this was sort of interesting because we have it's so to, to spoil you. So we've listened to part one, which we're going to talk about. Obviously, we haven't listened to part two, though we sure will soonly. The next soonly's not a word either. So I think I totally get a buy on the Philip Philipopsis. Well, you can't even say it again. <laughs> but the next story after that is, and now I'm blinking on the title, but it's the one we listened to, the musical one. Oh, right, yes. At the diner. Yes, with, with Grandpa. the glam rock. And oh, the... I think horror at glam rock may, in fact, be the name. But yeah. Okay. But yeah, yeah, so that's the, the second story. And the guy from Boys Eye. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I remember, the, if you remember kind of at the end, and I don't know if you remember, there was like a woman who appeared at the end and was like, oh, did I just miss Lucy? I'm looking for her or something. Oh, yeah, vaguely. So, so anyway, just letting, as, as we go forward. Okay. Yeah. We have got to start doing these in order. <laughs> Timey-wimey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway. Again, We're like River Song <laughs> in the Big Finish world. <laughs> one thing I did enjoy, of course, is short. And, that's of course, that's why it's part one and not part two as well. But anyway, what did you think of sort of the introduction of Lucy Miller? Yes. I, obviously, I adore Sheridan Smith. So I was very glad to have Lucy back in the in the swing of things. She gets a very, like, in the beginning, it's just like, oh, Lucy's here. dum da dum da dum da dum dum And then as it goes on, we find out that there's a reason, and we don't yet know the whole story behind it, and we may not, even after we finish part mm-hmm. two. Um, we know it's something, and not, I mean, we won't be too spoiler or whatever. It's only yeah. part one, how spoiler can we get? Yeah. Um, but uh, something involving the Time Lords. Something involving the Time Lords and Lucy's memory. Yeah. She can't remember something, and the Time Lords have wiped it out. And sent her to the Doctor. And sent her to the Doctor, yes. Which I think it's always interesting to remind myself when it's the Eighth Doctor that we're at least with these stories, pre-Time War. Now, of course, yes. I think currently the Eighth Doctor stories are during the Time War. 
but right now we're before the Time War, so it's still sort of classic era. Time Lords are everywhere. Yes, and I had to remind myself of that as well. And when the Daleks showed up, the same thing. Mm-hmm. I had to remind myself that that this was all pre-Time War. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, we had, a, or at least to me, a surprising voice in this adventure. And I was a little confused because there's the acting president, and then there's this, I guess... Well, uh, who appears to be the professor's assistant, these two women. But I was getting them confused sometimes. I mean, I could usually tell who the president was. But anyway, one of those is Asha, who is played by Haley Atwell. Yes, and she's the professor's assistant. Okay. Um, Who gets a bigger part that I can tell. Probably going into part two. Yes, yeah. It's revealed that she is not who we think she is. Yes, but it was a nice and very pleasant surprise. We, of course, know her from the Marvel Universe Yes, um, as Agent Carter, uh, which is a television series I really wish I'd watched more of when it was on. And I've never seen it. Oh, well, we should go back, because I think only I only watched... Yeah, well, <laughs> and I only think I watched two or three episodes, and mm. then... I wasn't streaming things at the time, and so I just got lost in when it came on and things like that. So maybe that's something we can do yeah. together, my darling. Uh, as the holidays approach. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I think it was interesting. I looked up that she has appeared in some other Big Finish adventures. Not a lot, but a few more, which I always thought was interesting. And so, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. They they had some good behind-the-scenes even in the part one. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, Nicholas Briggs, of course, playing the Daleks. And so there, there is a lot of intrigue, like the, the Time Lords and Lucy, but even the Daleks, because they're definitely putting up a front. I mean, like, I thought, like, at the end of part one, it'd be like, ah, oh, we're here to kill you all. But it's sort of like, no, they're still pretending that we're here to save you and to do things and to help out. And we, you know, we are here to, you know, and so it was like, okay, they're playing this one. So I'll be very interested to know what happened. And I think it's a very Doctor Who story where the Daleks appear and the Doctor's the only one who think, who, you know, who sort of like the British are coming or the sky is falling and everyone else is like, nah, they're, they're all right. We don't know anything about these people. Yeah, we love them. Yes. And so it's, it's interesting how to work out. So yeah, I'm definitely intrigued to see how part two goes and how the rest of uh, the Eighth Doctor and Lucy's adventures go on from here. Yes, it will be very exciting and... Yeah, how are they going to get out of this one? Now, we will be listening to a few more Big Finish uh, productions because we'll be taking a long trip uh, with the holidays. It's not a long, long trip. How long? Like, well, from Fayetteville, which Mm -hmm. is where we're leaving from, it'll be three and a half hours. Yeah, well, it's long enough. Yeah, it's long enough. (laughs) I mean, you know, we're not talking about an eight-hour flight to England. Right. Because we couldn't afford it. Well, but we be... totally would have done if we could. <laughs> so I have downloaded, or bought, purchased and downloaded, some other Big Finish productions. <laughs> Include the purchase bit. So everybody <laughs> understands that we're not pirating. No. Oh, no, no. I wouldn't even know. Well, I'm sure I could figure it out. But anyway. Um, I mean, they're not <laughs> uber expensive. I mean, because I usually try to do a bundle if I can, which is a little more expensive. But, you know. I'd have been, but I, then you get a bundle. Yeah. So but I enjoy what that. I get from Big Finish. I, yeah. I, don't, I mean, they're not that expensive, for goodness sakes. I believe we have awaiting for our listening pleasure during the car trip. We do have the Diary of River Song Part Two. Oh, I believe okay. it's called Part Two, right? So I have that. I forget what that's even about. But anyway. And presumably Blood of the Daleks. Yes, Part, part two. two. Part Excellent. Two. That's already Excellent. done. Excellent. Yeah. And I have the Lives of Captain Jack. <gasps> Yay! So those will all be awaiting um, our enjoyment. I believe that's it. I don't want to. And of course, you. Captain Jack just made a guest appearance on our. Uh, 
Marvel watch, oh, not yes. our Marvel watch, our DC, DC watch. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, because he's a DC actor these days. Oorah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, cool. he's actually a in the jungle person these days, but we'll see how that works out. Oh yeah, he didn't win. <laughs> oh, he Sorry, did. okay. no, no. I'm trying to remember who did win, but it wasn't. He wasn't even. He oh. might have been third. But the nation watched. But the nation watched. But he definitely wasn't first or second. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there was a like a footballer. I think an old retired footballer, I think, came in second. I can't remember. What is this, Strictly? Anyway. A little um, bit. A little bit. So, well, that's good. So, as we said, they got the holidays coming up. And so next week, you know, it's not yet time for Harry the... Redpath. That's the guy who came in second. I'm on it. I'm you on go. it. You got it. Two in seconds. my brain. Two seconds late. <laughs> but obviously, it's not time for the New Year's special quite just yet. So no. because it's Christmas... And there isn't a Christmas special. Um, we're not going to beleaguer that point. But um, <laughs> we figured, why not supply our own? So each of us will be coming up with a Doctor Who Christmas special. Mm-hmm. And our choice is either... To, and, we won't, and we're not going to tell each other which is which. But our choice is either to do a Ninth Doctor or a Thirteenth Doctor Christmas special. Since neither... Are won- getting one this year. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, neither one, I mean, maybe the Thirteenth will get one one of these days. Yes. But, but at so least, that's why I wanted to... Yeah, yeah. Not to date, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So so, we'll so, so we are writing fanfic. That's right. Or at least an outline. We'll see how it goes. I'm writing the whole thing. Okay, you're just going to read it. Yep. Do all the voices? Yes. All right. <laughs> really badly. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. So I hope everyone will enjoy their Doctor Who holiday season. And until then, have fun watching, reading, and listening to the adventures of the Doctor in time, time and, and space. This is BBC Television.